I was trying to think of a good name, Emma and her backup singers. I can't. Yeah. Happy birthday to Greg. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Goller Greg. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> birthday spankings at the end of the... I mean, no. <laughs> All right. Tonight we are in the book of Judges. And for the reading, we're going to look at 11 verses 1 through 6. So we talk about a interesting character called the rejected warrior Jephthah. And so when you find that Judges 11, I ask to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. Jephthah the Gilead was a mighty warrior. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah away. You're not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a group of adventurers gathered around him and followed him. Sometime later, when the Ammonites made war on Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah from the land of Tob Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us even when we're not sure anyone else does. Thank you, Father, that when others run out, you run to us. What a beautiful picture of the waiting father headed toward the prodigal son. And that's always your story. Thank you, Father, as we look at this man and his love for you. He had a rough package, but inside was a tender heart. And uh, as we look at this and, and, and see that toward you, I pray that we might be reminded of what matters. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't know anybody that enjoys rejection unless they're a nut. I mean, we all want to be liked. We don't want people ignoring us or turning away from us. Um, you know, I, I have a list of rejection too. I'm not going to go rejection by rejection. But we all have had those times where we were let down. I just had a few here. Uh, for example, there, there was a specific actor. He He almost didn't make enough money to survive when he started out as an actor, and he picked up the carpentry trade and uh, became a pretty decent carpenter, finally managed to get a small role in a movie called American Graffiti. And uh, after about a decade of struggling, he was working on a door frame uh, in one of the producer's uh, places. And a producer came by and looked at him and said, you know, you really need to try out for this part of this movie that I'm working for. Um, so he said, okay. So he went and he tried out, and man, Harrison Ford took off from that point. You know, he had, he had struggled. He'd been rejected. He's not the only one, though. 
um, Walt Disney was fired uh, from a newspaper that he worked at in 1919. The editor said he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. (laughs) Talk about eating crow. Um, Rudyard Kipling, the author of Jungle Book and Ricky Ticky Tavi. Oh, I used to love Ricky Ticky Tavi when I was a kid, that mongoose. Anyway, okay. Uh, He was fired from the newspaper he worked at. Uh, The editor said, you don't know how to use the English language. Winston Churchill repeatedly ran for office and was defeated until the time he became Prime Minister of England at the age of 62, just before World War II. Oprah Winfrey was fired from a job as a TV reporter because they said she was unfit for TV. And the Beatles were rejected by several recording studios. One of those labels said the Beatles have no future in show business. Isn't it funny how people can be so far off? (laughs) But but this this one, I think, is the best. Uh, Clint Eastwood and Burt Reynolds were big buddies. And they were told by Universal Studios on the same day, you're worthless. You'll never make it in acting. And uh, they said uh, to Burt Reynolds, you can't act. And they told Clint Eastwood, you walk too slow and your Adam's apple is too big. And... uh, uh, Burt Reynolds said, as we were walking to our cars, we were quiet. And finally, I said, you're in trouble, Clint. I can take acting lessons, but you can't get a new Adam's apple. <laughs> Rejection. D- did you notice as we talked about Jephthah? Look at the character he is. Uh, Jephthah the Gideonite, he was a mighty warrior. He had, he had that rough exterior. Man, could he fight? He was the tough guy. You know, it was interesting. Uh, a couple of days ago, Cindy and I saw the movie. If you haven't seen it yet, Mom's Night Out. And it's a, uh, it's a Christian movie, and it's just a comedy kind of thing. But anyway, we saw the movie, and one of my favorite characters in it, I can't remember, it's one of the country music stars, but he plays this tough motorcycle gang member. They end up having a tender heart. You know, that rough exterior, but the tender heart. And, you know, they, as I think of Jephthah, this is the guy that I see. You know, look at his background. It tells you who his father was by name. But the striking thing that gets your attention is that his mother was a prostitute. He ended up being kicked out of the family. He ended up, you have no place here. And, and so he went and, and a group of other guys followed him. He started his own street gang of that day and he had charisma in the meantime god's people had been fighting with the ammonites uh trouble upon trouble upon trouble and they didn't listen to god and they found themselves in deep dire trouble and what did they do we need that warrior the guy that we rejected the guy that we ran off (laughs) you know how, how do people handle rejection well different ways some just hide in a corner, cry, pout. We've all done that too. Someone has said the problem with the pity party, no one wants to come. It's a lonely type of party. Others uh, try to drown out their sorrow with uh, maybe alcohol or, or some kind of drug. Or Still others manage to pick themselves up and move forward in God's power. And this is a guy that apparently had not forgotten about his background, as we'll see, and about the Lord. Made me think of Matthew eleven twenty eight. 
28 through 20, where Jesus makes this invitation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your weary souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He, he knew where to run. Um, it, it, it's interesting. They come to him and, and they say, Verse 4, sometime later the Ammonites made war on Israel. and They went to get old Jephthah. Come, they said, be our commander. Verse 7, Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me? And drive me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? You guys are nuts. Oh, it's not in there. Okay. The elders of Gilead said to him, nevertheless, we're turning to you. Come with us to fight the Ammonites and you will be... Head over all who live in Gilead. It's interesting as the text unfolds, this warrior decides he's going to try diplomacy to begin with, and he meets with the head of the Ammonites, and he says, Why do you want to have war? Why can't we work out our differences? And basically, this guy says, You stole land from us 300 years ago. The Jews took our land. It's our land, and you're not going to take it. And Jephthah, it's interesting enough, he gives, a, he gives a good old Bible lesson, a good old history lesson from his people about the event and what had transpired. He listened. He was aware of God moving among his people. He was aware of what God had done. He was aware of the circumstances. He, he had heard those stories, and those stories became a part of his life. In other words, even though he had been rejected, even though he had been Pushed aside, he had not forgotten deep inside about God and about God had loved him and loved his people and that he could trust him. It's interesting, in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, we call it the Hall of Fame as it lists those people who lived by faith even though they didn't see the reward, but they were faithful Sixteen people mentioned there. His name is right in the middle of them. As we read in the scripture, it says in in Hebrews 11, What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson. There he is, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. This guy who was a nobody, this guy who was rejected, this guy who had that tarnished background that I'm sure there was a lot of shame for many years, was a guy that ended up in the Hall of Fame, the faith thing. God worked, and God can work through any of us. It says in Judges eleven twenty nine, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. That was the secret, is that God came upon him and empowered him in that battle that brought forth victory. Here's a familiar scripture, 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29. Certainly can't help but think of this man as you hear the scripture. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. 
God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Someone's written this. I, I don't know who to give credit to. They didn't list. I didn't write it. Anyway. Someone once observed that Moses stuttered. David's armor didn't fit. Jacob was a liar. Solomon was too rich. Abraham too old. David too young. Naomi was a widow. Martha was a worrywart. Jonah ran from God. Gideon and Thomas both doubted God. Jeremiah was depressed. Elijah burned out. Timothy had ulcers. Peter was afraid of death. And Lazarus was dead. Then there's Jephthah, the son of a prostitute. Isn't it amazing how God can work through our weakness and show his strength? It's a power that we can't really fully understand or explain, and yet that it's a power that's real. And yet as we come to the end of this section of this great man, there's a puzzling section of Scripture here. I want to spend some some time here because it's one of those things, you know, if you have those books of this doesn't make any sense kind of thing. Uh, As you come in near the end of chapter 11, you read about this strange instance of Let's start here at verse uh, 34. It says, When Jephthah returned to his home in Mitzpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of tambourines? She was an only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh, my daughter, you've made me miserable and wretched because I've made a vow to the Lord I cannot break. My father, she replied, you've given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you promised. Now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies, the Ammonites. But grant me this one request, she said. Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends. Because I will never marry. You may go, he said. And he let her go for two months. She and the girls went into the hills and wept because she would never marry. After the two months, she returned to her father and he did just to her, just as he had vowed, and she was a virgin. From this comes the Israelite custom that each year the young women of Israel go out for four days to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite. Um, so I want to look in here several things here um, as we read about this. There's kind of an argument in a lot of commentaries. Did she really end up a sacrifice or did she not? And, you know, when I first looked at this, I said, well, yeah, you know. But it doesn't actually say, it doesn't give the exact she was sacrificed. And so just a couple of ideas here, uh, possibilities. Um, first, to look at, for sure, vows are serious things. You don't make a vow to God unless you're going to keep a vow. This is from Deuteronomy twenty three twenty one. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it, for the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. 
In Ecclesiastes 5, it says, It's better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the works of your hands? But on the other hand, God said in the scriptures that those who practiced human sacrifice were detestable. And this was a sin that burned God's heart. Um, And it was a sacrifice that was detestable in his eyes. So, um, did he sacrifice her? Well, first, uh, he was honored in chapter 11 that we just looked at in Hebrews as a person of faith. Strange place to put someone who burned their daughter to death. Second, God hates human sacrifice, and there's no mention of him ever being condemned for that in the book. Uh, Many believe that Samuel was the one God used to write the book of Judges, and he gives no kind of rebuke of Jephthah in this case if he would have sacrificed his daughter. But he made a rebuke of Gideon. This is in Judges 8.27. He said, that Gideon, he made a gold ephod and set it in his city, and all Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon into his house. But there's not any condemnation of Jephthah in the scripture there. Fourth, in the story of Abraham where God commanded he sacrifice his only son, even Isaac knew something was up in, in this sacrifice that was to occur. But there's no way out that's given in here. Fifth, according to the law of Moses, it's possible to redeem a sacrifice for a price. And it's logical to believe that maybe this would be taken to another sacrifice, a redemption for this one sacrifice to be offered. And sixth, as it talks about her several times about being a virgin, there's actually one commentator, Adam Clark, an older comment of another generation, who had actually said that she was pledged to be a virgin for the rest of her life, opposed to being sacrificed as a secondary type of sacrifice to meet that pledge. And then, like I said, seventh, it doesn't actually describe the sacrifice given in the text Um, what is a great lesson that we can see here in the scripture of the sacrifice whether he sacrificed her or not he was willing to sacrifice what was most precious to him to God which is the story of the gospel isn't it That God did not hold back, but gave his one and only son for us. Legend has it that during the time of Marco Polo, um, he had traveled over and he was sharing in the Orient um, the story of Christ. And it was a dangerous place before Genghis Khan. And he decided he would share the story of Jesus. And as he talked about... Jesus being sinless as he talked about Jesus loving people and forgiving them. And yet Jesus was received not by his own people and he was rejected and he ended up being beaten. And he ended up placed on a cross to die. And through all this, Genghis Khan became more and more agitated. 
And then he heard Marco Polo say, then Jesus bowed his head and yielded up his spirit. He couldn't contain it any longer. He said, what did God do then? Did he send angels to destroy these people who killed his son? He was infuriated. And he couldn't understand that victory came in a willingness to die. And yet that is the message that we all believe in and that we all trust in. And it's a message for Jephthah, the one who was rejected, who found out he was loved. And no matter where we've been, and no matter really where we may go, we have a God who's paved the way for us at the cross, who's forgiven us and gives us hope. The rejection that we felt is not rejection that will last. When we run to him, we'll receive. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Father, uh, was Jephthah's daughter sacrificed? Well, we can argue those points, but we do know who was sacrificed. It was Jesus on a cross because there was no other way to deal with this issue known as sin, this problem of the heart, this problem that we can't fix ourselves you see there's an ultimate rejection between us and the heavenly father and there had to be one to pay a price to bring us into the family and I pray father that we would be reminded of that one tonight uh, as we come to this time of response invitation may we just remember you the one who loved us enough to die in our stead, that we might know his life and his power. So, Father, speak to our hearts, and may we just respond to you as you speak. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.